Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they have taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you are seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Word of the Lord. Thank you, Terry. Father God, we come, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this time, this opportunity, God. So now as we enter, Lord, into the study of your word, I decrease, Lord, that you will increase. I sit as you stand. We ask that you speak to us and speak through us, that your people, God, will be edified as you are glorified. So we thank you, we praise you, and honor you. In Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Certainly, we thank God for the opportunity to share his holy and inspired word. Um, when Brandon called and told me he was driving across Kansas, that was just enough to pray about. But <laughs> then it started snowing. And so we just prayed and we thank God for your safe passage. Amen. we're going to be brief, I think. We'll see what the Spirit of the Lord says. Again, we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Terry read for your hearing, verses 11 through 16. We just want to focus on one part, verse 15, and it says, Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. So this morning, we just want to talk about briefly, put a tag on this text, and use as a subject for our consideration a case of mistaken identity. Now, have you ever been in a situation when you have been mistaken for someone else? Maybe someone thought you were a, somebody they knew or perhaps they thought you were some big time celebrity. I don't know. I always get mistaken for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I, I don't know why. There are people even in our church families who resemble famous people. And you may be a one, uh, among those who are mistaken for someone else. It can sometimes be awkward, but generally it is simply harmless. But the one thing that we must remember as disciples of Christ is that our true identity is found in Jesus. We are children of God, loved and cherished by our heavenly Father. And our worth is not determined by our possessions or our influence. 
It's determined by the fact that we are made in God's image and we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus the Christ. So as Christians, we should hold fast to our identity in Christ. And we have to re resist all attempts of others to steal our identities from us. Well, this text focuses on how Mary saw Jesus in the garden on the morning of the resurrection and mistook him for the gardener. You see, early, early Sunday morning, the woman came to the tomb, the women came to anoint his body with spices. And because of Jewish law, they had to hurriedly get him off the cross. And so they just wrapped his body and they couldn't complete the process. So the women came early Sunday morning to complete that process. And when they left home, they fully expected to find the body of Jesus just where they had left it. Then the men, of course, arrived and inspected the empty tomb and saw the folded clothes and they left. But the biblical record tells us that Mary stood outside the tomb after the men left. Now we must understand that the disciples had met Jesus many times in gardens. So this was nothing new. And, and of course, you know, a garden is just a place that has some trees and flowers and various things going on. But Jesus often went to gardens to pray because it gave him a, a place of solitude. It allowed him to go there to his father and pray in secret. Jesus even went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray a couple of times, the biblical record tells us. But now you know in gardens, they are usually large plots of land and they employ these individuals to take care of the gardens. And these gardeners were just kind of like the church. If you put your Holy Ghost imagination together, the job of the gardener, the job of the church was simply to plant seeds, prune weeds, and water needs. That's all it was really about. That's exactly what the church is supposed to doing. When people come through the door, we should be so in tune with God that we are able to meet their needs right where they are. So as Mary cried, she stooped and she looked inside the tomb. and She saw two angels inside, one sitting at the head and one at the foot of the slab where Jesus had been laying. And since angels biblically uh, during that time, often took on the appearance of men. It is quite possible that Mary simply didn't recognize these men as angels. And then they asked her, why are you weeping? And she explained that somebody had stolen the body of Christ. And then suddenly behind her, Mary heard another man ask her the same question as the angels. Woman? Why do you weep? And you know, Mary kind of acted the way we sometimes act. When somebody's talking to you and you're really not wanting to be bothered, not wanting to be in tune, she glanced over her, soul, over her shoulder and she said, somebody has taken the body of my Lord. But then the man behind her called her name. He said, Mary. 
And Mary recognized the voice of Jesus. The biblical record tells us that as sheep, we ought to recognize the voice of our shepherd. So when Jesus called her, she knew who it was. We need to be so in tune with the Lord that when he calls our name, we say, yes, Lord. We need to understand exactly what it is and who it is that's calling us. But when she saw Jesus, she recognized him. Her faith was restored. And despite the darkness of the moment, she was encouraged. Because now she understood that Jesus was alive and well. Well, this moment of mistaken identity is both poignant and instructive. You see, Mary was so focused on her grief and her loss that she failed to recognize the one person who could bring her comfort and hope. The man she mistook for the gardener was, in fact, the risen Christ. So now as we begin to kind of dig into our study for this early morning incident, we can draw three important points that will guide us in our spiritual journey this morning. Going to drop them off this little red wagon, and we'll be ready to go. The first one, the danger of preconceptions. Mary's mistaken identity is an example of how preconceptions and assumptions prevent us from seeing the truth. Mary expected to see the dead body of Jesus in the tomb. And when she didn't find it, she assumed that someone had taken it away. It speaks kind of to something else there, too. A lack of faith. When the master tells us something, we simply need to believe that thing. If Jesus tells us he's going to get up, then we need to believe that he will get up. And summarily, when, we, when she saw a man near the tomb, she simply assumed it was the gardener. Assumptions often get us into real trouble. Assumptions not based on fact and truth prevent us from knowing the will of God. Assumptions about ethnicity and race easily turn into prejudice. Some folks assume that all Republicans are good, all Republicans are, or Democrats are bad, or vice versa. And that turns into political apathy. Sometimes folks look at a particular group of people as their enemy and think another group is their friends, and that can turn into racism. We sometimes assume that anyone who lives in the lower income parts of town or homeless people are worthless, and, and that turns into stereotypes. We need to understand that preconceptions and assumptions prevent us from seeing the truth. Some have preconceived notions even about God, the church, and themselves. Those preconceptions can blind us to the reality of God's presence in our lives. We must be willing to let go of our preconceptions and be open to the reality of God's love and God's grace. Now, while we're dealing with those things, we have to also understand that as Mary mistook Jesus for the gardener because she assumed too much. 
When there are problems at home or problems at work, we assume God does not care. When there is death or sickness in our families, we assume that God has abandoned us. But we need to know that Jesus is in every hospital room. We simply assume that he's the nurse or the doctor. Jesus is that shoulder we lean on when I can call Brandon and tell him anything or get on my knees and pray. And, and that's all fine and good. But we assume that he's a neighbor or a friend. Biblical record tells us that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. And we, we sometimes simply mistake him for the gardener. Then next, Mary recognized him when he called her name. Mary recognized Jesus and thought or mistook Jesus and thought he was the gardener. And when he initially spoke to her, she had no idea who this was. She assumed this was simply another man in the garden who had helped to take Jesus away. But then Jesus called her name. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is simply to say master. You see, when he called her name, there was no mistake. That was his identifying mark. Mary recognized the voice of Jesus because she had listened to him many times before. She had heard him speak intimately with the disciples. She'd heard the times that he preached to the various crowds. Mary knew the voice of Jesus. And even today, we should know the voice of the Lord and we ought to be able to discern his voice from all of the many things and voices that are going on trying to pull us in all kinds of directions. Consider the judge who had awakened in the middle of the night when he heard a voice that told him that there was a man that should be released from jail. The man's name was not given. He was told that he would know this man when he came upon him, and this man deserved to be free. So one day, the judge did the unthinkable. He, he took off his robes, and he visited the, the prisoners individually. And he spent an entire week listening to the stories of these prisoners. The judge spoke to over 100 prisoners and listened as each one claimed to be innocent. But while he was listening, the voice that he heard in his dream didn't speak. And then as he was leaving, he saw a young man over in the corner. And the young man was simply sitting quietly studying his Bible. And the judge asked the man, he said, explain your situation to me. The young man said, I'm here because I committed a crime. I deserve to be here. I'm doing my time. And instantly the voice spoke again. And the judge investigated the situation of this young man. And the judge discovered that the man had been found guilty of stealing food to feed his children. The judge also found out that this young man was a model prisoner. And he had not been problematic for anybody at the place. Immediately the judge signed an order to have this man free. Judge paid the restitution out of his own pocket. 
He had worked hard, so through his blood and his sweat and his tears, he paid the cost of somebody else. Kind of sounds like somebody I know. Judge, they, they asked him, so why did you free this man? The judge said, look, I talked to over 100 prisoners, and all of them claimed to be innocent. I'm releasing him because having a guilty man locked up with all of these innocent people just does not seem to be right. We too must listen to the voice of God enough that we recognize when he speaks to us. Finally, Mary was found by the living Christ. You know how people are always saying, I found Jesus, I found Jesus. I always ask them when they say that, well, was he lost? We need to make sure that when we're talking to folks about what's going on in our Lord and in our lives in terms of the relationship we have with the Lord, that we are correct. We never want to create misconceptions in the minds of God's people. Some expect Christ to change their financial situations. They believe that by expressing faith in Jesus that they will immediately have access to vast amounts of wealth. Many believe because of the madness of these prosperity preachers that if you give a dollar, God's going to give you a hundred. And that's not how the biblical record works. That has nothing to do with what God has taught us in his word. Then other folks expect to be uh, invulnerable to harm and death and sickness. But the Bible tells us that as followers of Christ, we are going to face these kinds of things. We simply have to understand that God is always in control. What Mary found was one eternal truth, that God has raised Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of our very faith. It is the ultimate victory over sin and death. And it is the power that enables us to live with hope and joy, even in the midst of pain and suffering. You see, Christ is alive. That is not a mistaken notion. Christ is our salvation. That is not a mistaken notion. Christ hears and answers prayers. That is not a mistaken notion. Mary was found by the one who found us. And I thank God that he found me. Oh, I was a scoundrel before. Uh, if we had 10 years, I could tell you about the things he delivered me from. Finally, when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ every Sunday, there is no mistake we are sure that he lives because we live. We are sure that he lives and that gives us hope. You see, Mary identified Jesus by the sound of his voice. The men on the road to Emmaus recognized Jesus by how he broke bread and how he gave thanks. Locked in a room, the disciples recognized him by the nail prints in his hands and his feet. They recognized him by his scars. We identify with his scars because we gave them to him. 
He was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of his peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. You see, his scars tell the story and are sufficient to convince us of his true identity. Our scars tell our story in a way that nothing else can. Every scar that we have is a story of failure and success, trial and tribulation, error and correction. The Jesus guards identified what he went through to save us. And each scar marks a time that we were engaged in a battle with Satan or Lucifer or Beelzebub or whatever you call that lion dog, but it marks the time that the Spirit of the Lord helped us come forth as new men and new women. I'm going to share this and then we'll be done. You have to consider the mother whose son had gone off to war. She had not seen or heard from her son in over 20 years. The government sent the Typical letter saying, well, he's missing in action. But this mother kept going to the door every day, waiting for her child to come home. Her children were worried about her. They thought that their mother might be losing her mind. And because of that, they were convinced that she just didn't have it together. And so as she waited and waited, one day there was a knock at the door. And there was a tattered man who stood at the steps and he seemed to have no face. His hair was covering him and, and he, he was bald in the back but had hair flowing down in the front. Imagine, if you will, what that picture looks like. And he was very crude in his appearance. And he couldn't talk, so all he could do was stand at the door and stretch out his hand. The mother took the stranger by the hand and she sat him at the table and she rushed to get him something to eat as her daughters complained that she was taking a chance by letting a stranger in the house. The mother said, that's no stranger, that's my son. She said when he was six years old, he fell and he skinned the palm of his hand. And when it healed, it left an S-looking mark right in the palm of his right hand. She said, I couldn't see his face, but when he stretched out his hand, I saw that mark and I knew that that was my son. See, Mary knew who Jesus was because she heard his voice. We know who Jesus is because we identify with his love and his grace as evidenced by our scars. Today, we know he lives because he's been with us all along the way. Make no mistake about this. Jesus speaks to us in our dreams. There's no mistake in our heart. There's no doubt in our minds because he lives we have hope for tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone 
Because he lives, we know he is coming back again to take us to our eternal home. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm on, I'm on my way to a land where the wicked will cease from troubling. I'm on my way to a land where I will be at rest. But until he returns, I'm going to keep telling the story. I'm going to tell the story about his power to save and forgive, his power to take me from a little nothing to somebody who loves and enjoys and appreciates all that he has done in my life. We really just need to know that on his way to Calvary, we were on his mind. And as he's going up the Via Della Rosa, we need to understand that he was thinking about us. I'm done, I'm done. You can come, Brandon, but I just need to say this. As he's walking up the Via Della Rosa, folks looked out and they saw him. And, and, and they saw him coming and they, they looked at him and somebody said, Jesus, why, why are your clothes wet? And Jesus said, on my way to the cross, I had some friends that were in trouble. Pharaoh's army was behind them. The Red Sea was in front of them. There were mountains on the left and there was a desert on the right. And I had to stand and hold the water so they could cross over on dry land. And Jesus kept on going. And somebody else said, Jesus, but your clothes are all torn up, man. What's going on? And he said, well, I had a friend who wouldn't bow down to the king. And so they threw him into a den of lions. Now, we need to understand something about the den of lions. You can have a lion's den and a den of lions. And at the lion's den, the lions might not be at home. But when you are in a den of lions, that means they are there. And Jesus said, I stepped in and I held the lions back so that my friends wouldn't be bothered. And they said, well, Jesus, there's soot all over your clothes. What's going on here? And Jesus said, well, I had three friends, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And Jesus said, I had to step in to make sure that my people were not hurt. All I want to say to us today is trust Jesus in all things. Doesn't mean that our lives are going to be easy. Doesn't mean that we're not going to go through anything. It simply means that we go through these things with faith. God bless you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father God, we come now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your people. We ask God that you bless us individually and collectively. And that you, God, join us together. Tie us, bind us with cords of love that cannot be broken. We thank you for your dying. We thank you for your rising. And we thank you for loving us. So keep us is our prayer. And Jesus, in your mighty and matchless name, the saints of God said amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.